The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, that starts somewhere. Hey, welcome everybody to the KyberCast episode 12. And this episode is going to be a fun one. We are going to talk about Amazon series The Boys based on the comic series. With me as always, my good friend Michael Diaz. Michael, how's it going? Awesome. Yourself? Very well. We're going to have a, a interesting conversation about the boys, which took me a little bit by surprise. Um, I was not, I didn't have high expectations, but um, I think it's going to be a fun episode. Of course, this is going to be spoiler filled. We watched the entire season. I think Michael watched it twice by now. I don't know. I know you watched it very quickly, but uh, this will be filled with spoilers. We're going to go through the season and give our take on it. And um, what do you think, Michael? You, anything? Uh, Stand out to you? Oh yeah, let me just okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow my geek load right away and say that for me, this is by far the best comic book TV series that I have ever seen. Comic book TV series. Yes. So I'm talking. We're talking Arrow, Supergirl, uh, Black Lightning. Uh, all is all the Arrowverse. Versus the Netflix uh, Marvel shows, we're talking Daredevil. Um, no, you know, you're wrong. Um, oh, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I've I've watched. Don't get me wrong. I I enjoyed the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, of those, I think maybe um, Jessica Jones was my favorite. That said, nothing blew my mind like this show did, and I had no expectations going in. Let's. A little, little background for you out there. Uh, Joe is not the comic book geek that I am, and I am a huge comic book geek. And I have, used to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on comics. Not so I much not. now. You are... Right. Uh, not so much now. I still, I still buy comics. I still read comics. My nose is still in that industry, but I don't buy them like I used to. I, I, I now mostly collect trades. But I was familiar with the boys and that I bought it when it first came out. Now, I didn't buy the entire run, but I, I read the first year or two's worth of uh, stories. I think they ended up going around 50 issues. Uh, so I only read like the first uh, 12 to 20 issues or so. Um, now, that said, because I had some idea where the series was going, uh, I thought I knew what was going to happen. And they made enough twists and turns and changes to really keep me interested and keep me guessing. And, um, well... Obviously, I can give my impression based on being a comic book geek and knowing the story, but Joe, I'm going to swing right back to you because you came into it blind. You didn't know anything about this show. Is that correct? That's correct. And first, I would say Daredevil is infinitely better than this, but that's my own personal choice. I think the writing is much better. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I, I had a hard time. For some reason, I kept comparing to Watchmen, which I love. And I did buy that when it came out as a comic because I thought that was a game changer for me. Well, yeah, now you're back, you bought it like back in the eighties when it came out. Yes. Really? I did not know yes. that. Yeah, I did. I did have that. A friend of mine was very influential in helping me 
you know, you got to read this, go buy it. Okay. That and the Dark Knight Returns, I bought it the, when it first came out. So to me, Watchmen was, is one of those pinnacle changes of heroes. And I kind of equate this to that. I know it's different and it, it's, it's, it's in a much different vein, but it also feels like there's an idea of the, I'm going to say the slash humanization of the heroes. They're a little more human than even the Marvel side of it, which is what Stan Lee tried to do. Um, so I, I, I still put Watchmen above this, um, but that's just a comic. There's going to be an HBO series, but it's not based on that the original series. It's something different. No, the HBO series is going to be post-comic. Correct. Yes. So... I did really, really enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it more as this as the shows happened. It took a little bit. The, the first episode got me, but the second one was a little bit, you know, slower. But it, it took like three. Once I was three episodes in, done. I was ready to go. Uh, I really enjoyed the characters. I think to me, it's always hard when you have superheroes that mimic superheroes that you love. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, I, I know you're going to rip on Superman slash Captain America. And we're going to make this hybrid. I, I get the tropes. It's just super hard to really get into those kind of like cool superheroes because they're not Superman or Captain America because they're so ingrained in our culture that when it's somebody new or different, you're like, oh, you're just ripping off Superman. But that is the point of this. That is the point. Uh, I got to say, overall, what I really, really enjoyed was the incredible take on what's happening in our culture now from misogyny to capitalism to uh, the mutual you know, yeah exactly um, and all kind of things that are going on there's a lot of that back and forth uh, of topics that it, that it covers I mean it hits all of them that's happening kind of right now and I thought it did a great job of kind of pointing the mirror back to what what we're kind of living with right now. I thought the characters overall like were really good. I mean, again, they kind of ripped on the Aquaman kind of guy. <laughs> he takes <laughs> again, poor Aquaman type <laughs> character gets gets beaten up pretty good. Uh, but in an interesting way, I mean, he, his character yeah, his character came around <laughs> interestingly on how he got kind of like his own version of rape later on and I'm not sure if that happens in the comics we will get into the difference of the comics because Michael you're going to kind of lead us through that but uh, overall I think my favorite character probably is the butcher which I guess is a default but I like that actor so I thought he was great in that and Carl um, Urban is one of my favorite actors based on the things he's been in um, but the butcher is really good as a character and then over time I really did like Homelander. He became more and more of a, a, a really good antagonist. And I think he played past the part of the Superman Captain America. Like he, he transcended it a bit by the time by the time it ended. So yeah, overall really good and, and plus Elizabeth Shue. Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. So like I said, I knew about the comic, I knew about the show. Really didn't invest a lot into it other than knowing that Carl Urban was in it. And that was the only name I really knew until I, I saw one of the trailers and saw that they actually used uh, Simon Pegg as uh, Wee Huey's um, father. So I didn't right. realize Elizabeth Shue was in it until maybe one of the trailers, or it had to be like the second trailer. I was like, what? 
Elizabeth Shue's getting work? Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I, she I was great in that. Run. No, she was yeah. great. Absolutely great. She was perfect in that role. Um, so so that's not a dig on Elizabeth Shue. If anything, it's a dig on Hollywood uh, that stops casting uh, actresses once they've reached 35, 39, 40. They yeah, for sure. Uh, let's 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 re let's speak, state that a different way. Stop casting women at that right. age. Yes, which is not it's not right. So I'm I was glad I was glad I was overjoyed to see her. She's fantastic in that role. So, but before I get too ahead, ahead of myself, uh, you really kind of dumped a lot, a lot out there, and I want to unpack it. First okay. off, um, good for your friend that introduced you to Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. Uh, side note. Uh, when the comic book back market fell out in the early 2000s, I went and actually bought every single issue of The Dark Knight Returns. There are only three, but I went right. and picked them up, and I actually have Frank Miller sign them all. Oh, nice. And I have every single issue, every single issue of The Watchmen, except for, I think, issue 11 in its original first publication. So I just want to say that. So that's my geek cred there as far as comics come. All right, really quick, um, really quick. I have the new series clock of, of Watchmen, and I haven't opened a single one of them until issue 12 comes out so I can read them all at once. You realize you can, you know what a trade paperback is, don't you? Yeah, but I wanted to do this. And that's fine. That's fine. But a lot of publishers now are really fast on the trade paperback, so that 12th issue will come out in like the next month or a month after they've collected it already. You save some money, but I see where you're coming from. Uh, I say that as a guy that that I two years ago stopped buying single issues, and now I collect comics via trade. But that's a whole other story. Let's get back on topic on to um, the boys. One thing you said was that you were not not necessarily that you weren't a fan, but you uh, obviously these are allegories, correct? The two other characters, and that's something I've always liked, even in comics. I mean, if you go back to well, the Avengers, uh, Mark Grunewald was famous for introducing the Justice League in the Marvel Universe in the form of the Squadron Supreme. And they were all, like, you know, you had Hyperion, you had, well, I'm not going to get into all of them, but basically they were analogs to this Justice League. So that way the Avengers could fight against or with the Justice League. So this has been going on for comics for 30-plus years, if not longer. For sure. And... We, we saw this again, uh, especially uh, during Mark Millar, his run on The Authority. Now, I'm dropping back to about the year 2000 here. Uh, so if you're not familiar with it, you should pick them up. They're a great read. But there's a whole issue where basically the Avengers show up uh, to try to kidnap this little baby. And they're not so nice. And they're very similar to what we see in The Boys in that they're very into themselves. Um, they're very egotistical. Um, it doesn't take it to the level of the boys where they're obviously also social media and uh, movie stars and are worried about, you know, their demographics and who's getting the most points and yada, yada, yada. So being a comic book fan, I've seen analogs like this for years now. So it wasn't a surprise to me and not that it was a surprise to you, but I appreciate the analogs when done right. You can tell fantastic stories for characters that normally you wouldn't be able to. You are not going to be able to do a Superman story where, you know, he has an Oedipal complex like we see here in The Boys. You know, or where he wants to go off and fight 
as part of the American military, unless like DC does something like what they used to call their Elseworlds line, where they do stories that were in a different universe and something happened. And now they're doing that now with their new black series. They're black. Sure. Line. I mean, it's, it's a decision. I mean, dark, the dark Knight returns is a bit of that. Yes. Yes. Before. Yes, exactly. So I like, so for that, I, I like the boys for that, that, because it just lets you see, I mean, let's face it, A-Train, yeah, he's his own character, but he's the Flash. We all know he's the Flash. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is this, is it's because we know that they're doing that. Like, imagine how much more powerful it would be if they did do it as a DC thing, right? Like, like think of the real hero. Like, I guess my point is this. I know they're not the real heroes. They're they're a replacement hero it is it is the difference between getting you know uh uh let's say like a a a real rolex versus a shinola or something you know i don't know but it's just one of those things and i i understand why i just said i always have a hard time getting past that first hurdle of like okay don't worry that it's not superman it's just i get the trope move forward i get that i get that so I guess what I'm saying then is, uh, for me, I can more easily slide into that, right? And that's just that's just a personal thing. So, um, the, the point well, of it is, go ahead. So my thing would be to people that have a hard time, give it some time because it gets better. Like it, you'll you'll get into it because what makes what may, ironically what makes these heroes interesting is their human side of who they are and what what because they're extremely flawed. And then you find out the reason why they're flawed through their history or how they were made uh, as you get through the series. So, exactly. So, but, but overall, yeah. But overall, I loved it. It was really fun. And you make a good point because, you know, as we said, there are spoilers here. So with Homelander, you he is not an exactly a one hundred percent analog to either. Superman or Captain America, you're right, he's kind of an amalgamation of both. And we right. see that with the brief hints they give of his uh, origin story, if you will. In many ways, he has a lot more in common with Eleven from Stranger Things than he really does Superman or uh, Captain America. That's true. So, but, That's true. And, but that helps to explain why he is who he is and why he's a sociopath. Yeah, I... You know, how we break this down, I'm going to go, I'm going to ask you, since we're talking about the overall series, was there an episode or a part in the, the, the entire series, was there a part that stood out to you more than the other, other than the end? I mean, the end is a really, and we'll get to that, but the end is obviously the big. Oh yeah, there's a huge gut punch. So for me, what the biggest gut punch other than the series finale or the season finale, I should say not series. Um, the biggest gun punch for me was how cavalierly, um, our Homelander was able to let that plane go down into the, yeah. that was it for me. Yeah. That episode. It's, yeah. That was, that was, that turned it right. That really pushed, that really propelled, the rest of the series that which um i'm not quite sure there's only eight episodes what was that one was that uh four or five which one was that it was somewhere in there but the point is that i mean 
the whole reason they went out there was because they were trying to get, you know, basically the public on their side for them to be problem for them to become part of the military. So they went out to that plane once in national in international air, and they killed all the terrorists but the one that was still left in the cockpit. Right, and he didn't think things through. I mean, okay, yes, the terrorist killed the pilot. Or what's he do? He zaps the terrorist, chops him in half, but also destroys the instrument board. No one can fly this plane now. And he's just like, oh, well, it was worth a shot to see if we could get the public on our side. But we can't. And then he just, so like I said, so cavalierly tells the kids, oh, no, I'm not leaving. I'm, we're just going to check something in the back. We'll save you. We're not going to let you die. And then he's like, all right, let's go. Just done. It just shows to the extreme level how self-centered he is absolutely it's it's a it's a deep dark insight into his character into the show and into what they're trying to say with this show so it it was it was a pinnacle uh episode right there yeah i mean and obviously bringing in you know the idea that it's kind of the, I'm going to this is a bad analogy in terms of 9/11 but what letting that plane like destroying the plane and blaming it on terrorists makes it easier for the company to get that to try and get that military to to militarize the the superheroes through the agency the Vought agency um, which was a great storyline for me because I really get into the political things of stories sometimes and I think that that one you know, bringing that storyline through of this company that's involved using these heroes as military weapons and now they can be on contract and you can have this one for this territory and this one for that territory and pitting, you know, senators with money. It, it, it was really cool of how they, I liked that part a lot. Oh, 100% agree. And having Queen Maeve up on the on the plane with him, how oh, yeah, far she she's gone like uh, yeah at one point you could probably tell that she was more like you know um starlight more like starlight yeah yep you can certainly see that i mean she is a character that is she's obviously gone over the edge and that she she not maybe not willingly goes along as easily as homelander does or the deep or even from what little we see uh black noir which side note i love that name his name is basically Black Black. Right. <laughs> but um, she she knows that what she's doing is wrong, but she keeps doing it because she doesn't want to lose the fame and the power and the prestige. So she she goes along. And right. that's, that's almost worse because the Homelander is doing it because of his weird conviction that they need to be there to save the world so sad that these souls had to die but you know it's it's going to serve a greater purpose which he then uses later when he stands looking over the bodies and stuff and the wreckage of the plane to he still uses it to make his argument that soups should be part of the u.s military it's devious and dark as fuck but he does it yeah yeah you know, a significant thing for me, which was at the end of episode two, was when they blew up. Well, when Huey blew up Translucent, like that kind of solid. That was like his choice to join the group, right? That was his last. I guess I'm in. I'm going to do this. 
Right, blood in, blood out. This is this was his chance to either go away or not. And he chose. Once he did that, he was basically all in. Whether no matter what else yep. happens in the whole series, he may not realize it, but he's now in for life. Absolutely. And then the other thing too is with Starlight, you have this character, this hero that genuinely is a good person. Yet there's still the, the pull of what her mother has fed to her her whole life, what she believes the heroes are. And this highly Christian point of view. And she has to go down on the deep to, to get in. I mean, I mean, it's such a crazy, you know, you, you can see it coming two seconds after he walks into that room. You knew this douchebag was going to do something horrible or make her put her in a situation. Uh, yeah, there, there's no really redeeming of the deep, so, so to speak. No, not at all. But then. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't know that they'll be able to, to redeem him, but there is there are hints of something going on with him mentally. That, like yep. I said, I, I don't want to say that he's going to be redeemed because what he did was, you know, akin to rape. Um, but was there's right. something yeah, yeah. there's something going on with him that we see at the end when he just shaves his entire body and his head. I mean, what is he going through? Something is going on. We're going to see something from his character. I don't know what yet, and that's that, that. That keeps me interested. I feel like you're lying, and that you read something in the comics that he's going to be like a transvestite or something at some point. No, but, no, uh, no. Um, I uh, like I said, I I'm going into this pretty much blind because um, even from what I know in the comics, and that we won't touch this yet, but the ending in the comics and or for that storyline in the comics versus what we're seeing in the show, they made a lot of changes. I mean. They've made a lot of story changes. They've made a lot of character changes. Translucent does not appear in the uh, in the comic. No pun intended. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they 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 flopped him in for someone else, but and that's fine. There are certain characters and certain things they're not going to be able to do, even on Amazon. Even though they have a lot more leeway, obviously. I mean, this is nothing that you would see. On any other, maybe not any, not necessarily any other streaming service, but this is nothing you would ever see on ABC or any of the broadcast networks, NBC, CBS. Heck, you wouldn't even see this on Fox. I mean, no, this is kind of edgy, like HBO. Yeah, well, HBO, we're going to find out. We're going to see what let's see what their Watchmen's about. But I mean, the show was really well done. It it's uh, it's not cheap. Like I think Amazon may get a maybe um. A pass sometimes thinking that they're not going to put up the same type of quality as maybe Netflix. That's changing because there's a few shows that are really, really good on there and it's going to get better, I'm sure, as they make more money. Uh, so the show was really good. The, the casting was phenomenal. I got to say, though, like the, I did not feel one ounce sorry for A Train throughout any of it. Like there was no, I had no, you know, I didn't feel bad for him at all, which sometimes to me that's empathy of a character is sometimes what pulls me into some of these shows but he was perfectly unable for me to give him that empathy as a character not a lot of empathy there you've seen the whole season and you've read the comics what what are some of the major differences if 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 you can remember i'm not sure that when you when last time you read that but how fresh it is in your mind but i wouldn't say it's super fresh it's probably been a good 10 15 years since i read the comics um, for me, uh, a lot of the big changes are kind of cosmetic in the uh, in the comics. For example, A Train's a white guy. 
Um, oh, whereas obviously in the in the in the show, he, he's a black gentleman. Um, the deep uh, was also a uh, a person of color. He was also black, but he was you know giant diver's helmet on and stuff. So they really kind of changed a lot of the looks for some of them to make them look more like uh, versions, more like versions of cinematic superheroes that we see already. They, they've definitely marvelized them, if you will. And by Marvel, I mean, Marvel has got it down as to how like, how to make superheroes work in the cinematic universe. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what they've done with these characters. Um, some minor things, uh, Queen Maeve is a blonde in the comics where she's a brunette here. Um, I, well, how about story-wise? I'm not like characters I'm sure they, is fine but is there is, do they divert is is all the comics um based off this one season or is like three comics this season and another four go somewhere else and you said there was 50 of them around 50 so I would say that this first series this first season is about the first year's worth of comics so it's about 12 is it oh, yeah, I say, came out. yeah that's about right so, um, well, I guess the biggest thing to say, well, I don't, I don't know if we're ready to talk about the end, but that is really the biggest. We can. We can go uh, through the that. biggest change. So the biggest change then, if we're going to talk about that, is in the comics. So the whole impetus and reason why Butcher hates the soup so much is because in the comic books, he wakes up one night to his wife screaming and the baby uh, rips itself. So she's in the comics. She's pregnant with Homelander's child, just like in the show. But in the, comic the end of the show, in the end of the show, yes. Because um, yeah, we don't find that out right away. Um, but in the comic book, he wakes up to the baby basically ripping its way out of her womb and killing her in the process, and then um, with its laser eyes. And now we saw the laser eyed babies in this show so they still made references to those like there's a scene where butcher they're in the lab getting the uh, compound v and they grab the yep. baby and he uses the laser eyes to chop people up and all that so we see that but it's it's different in the comics basically the baby rips out of her crawls out of her womb and kills her like that and then he kills the baby which is messed so up. Uh, let's go back real quick just the, the premise of the show is you have heroes that affect people's lives in a negative way sometimes the butcher believes that his wife was raped by homeland in the series homelander yes. and he homelander and he's he wants revenge huey wants revenge because a train like blew literally through his girlfriend like smashed just blew her up so that kind of is the genesis of the of, of this particular series of you know the ramifications of saving people and charisma and all that stuff. In the series, the butcher's wife worked for the company that Homelander works for and was doing his social media for him, and they met that way. In the comics, you're telling me that it starts off with her already pregnant, and and he didn't know at the no, time? No, 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 no. You find, out, okay. you find out later on, not quite as late as you did in the show, but you, you, they eventually kind of go back onto his origin. You find out that the reason he hates soups and Homelander so much is because Homelander raped his wife. She got pregnant, and then the baby tore itself out of her womb and killed her, and he killed the baby. So 
the home him okay. hating Homelander and hating soups is all kind of based on that. What we find out in the show is they totally take that and put it on upside down on its head. So the whole show we're led to believe that Homelander raped his wife. Butcher says Correct. that as soon as we see him. Well, shows his video. We see we see a little bit of video. But as these as the season goes on, we see a little bit more. We see we know that he watches a video every morning at breakfast of his wife at a park, and that's the last time she was seen alive. And in his mind, he sees her as torn and disturbed. Not torn, disturbed and emotionally destroyed by the rape that she received, or rape that she was victim of from Homelander. And then she walks off, and as far as he knows, she's dead. She either she killed herself or something else, or Homelander killed her. Someone took took her out. So the whole show, he believes she's dead. Then later we see video of her going into Homelander's office and is in there for four hours. And then when she comes out, she's a bit disheveled. But it's not clear. It's up to interpretation at that point. Was she raped? At that point, yeah. At that point, we believe she's still raped. Right. But even when I watched it, I was like, I was like, Okay, you you can't just tell by a woman coming out of there, you know, putting her clothes back on. Was you know you can't tell what happened, so it's still very easy to go was she raped? But right away when I saw that scene, it wasn't that I didn't believe that she could have been raped, but I was like, that it was done in a way where it made you go, was that consensual? Right. And then finally the show ends, and Butcher, you know, wants to basically destroy. Homelander emotionally, if he can, uh, shows up at Elizabeth Shue's place. It's going to blow her up because, as far as he knows, she is the only thing that Homelander loves. And then we find out that she, Elizabeth Shue, betrayed Homelander in telling her him that his baby was dead. The baby that he supposedly raped Butcher's wife and got her pregnant. Right. No, we find out that Stillwell, that's Shoe's character, we find out that she lied to him, and that surprise, surprise, Butcher's wife and baby are still alive and have been put into protective custody somewhere else. So the show ends with Homelander standing over Butcher. Butcher wakes up in someone's yard. He doesn't know where they are. He kind of comes to and looks, and there's this little boy coming out. And, mommy, 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 there's people. Homelander's here. What's going on? And he looks, and it's his wife. It's yep. his friggin' wife, and she's alive. So it's a huge change because, first off, I have no idea where you're going to go in season two because I can still see him hating soups, but really the entire basis for Billy Butcher to hate soups has been proven to be false. Right. And so to me, you've got a, f- a few things that happen during all this. You've got a fantastic character – um, Madeline Sitwell, Stillwell, who is this great CEO that has built this company, basically orchestrates and controls all the soups, who's losing control of Homelander based off Homelander's need to actually fit in. So the part of Superman that feels alien translates over to Homelander yes. of him being like, I just, he, he actually, I think, does want a family. 
And that's why he hates, you know, they show, I don't know what episode, somewhere in the middle where they're trying to create that backstory for him. You know, this is where I played baseball and, you know, he didn't have any of that. It was all bullshit. And he was just basically created. I don't know if it was test tube or I, I don't, I don't remember the origin of other than the V stuff, compound V, but basically he's an orphan created no family that he knows of it raised like 11 like you said in a in a, in a lab yeah situation yeah lab situation so when it comes down to that last episode it is the culmination of the lies that everybody's told him that created this narcissist because he's never actually had human contact like hugs like basic nurturing right. but he had no nurturing he was he's a tattoo so you can you you somehow at the end of the at the end of the series, this dick that let a plane go down, you somehow have a twinkle of empathy for him. At the end, now that end is two things. He takes out basically his mother, which is Stillwell, which obviously it's been his de facto mother based off some of the edible things that has gone through in his life. He didn't have a mother, right? So the things he was clinging on with her was, you know. Her, his mother figure finding out that the one that he believed in the most lied to him yep. and he basically well not basically he cr- cr- destroyed her with lasered her eyes right through and it was it sucked because like oh I don't want to lose that character but it was actually good writing you let somebody who was very strong it was you know it was nice to it's good writing to have great characters fall I mean it's just instead of just faking it to keep them on another show or whatever it was the right thing to do it was really cool now Butcher attempting suicide. He was done. And now you've got Homelander saving him saying, oh, no, you're not done. You're going to suffer. You try to make me suffer. I'm going to make you suffer. Now, here's the real truth. I had I have my truth. Here's your truth. You're right. I have no idea what they're going to do next. But it was a really like episode eight was really huge. And a lot went on. And this isn't even talking about Huey and, and Starlight, which is a whole other part of this thing Two kids from the country kind of thing that are good people that are mix, mixed up in all this stuff. But the, the Homelander arc was really, it really came through in the end and it was really good. That That's what really brought it home. You're right. And it's like you said, um, they didn't, the writers didn't shy away from it. They, in a way they've painted themselves into a corner dramatically, but I think it paid off because when that happened, that last scene happened, I was like, no fucking way. And then the credits. Right. Boom. There are the credits. I have no idea what's going to happen next, but I want to know. So, heck yeah, I'm going to be back for season two. It's, it was a perfect way to end it. And I didn't know they were going to have that. That season two was already signed, which it is. I did read that, read up on that. I'm like, I was talking to Michelle as we watched it. I'm like, do you think they're going to end it as if, what happens if they cancel it? Will there be enough closure to say like, wow, well, it was a one season and out kind of thing? Nope. No closure, just a bunch of other doors opening up. And, yeah, it was really interesting. Which was, again, it's ballsy because, yeah, Amazon announced right before, a week or two before the series came out or premiered, that, yeah, they had already, you know, renewed it for a second season. But they didn't know that while they were making the show. They didn't know that their ending was going to be, you know, a cliffhanger or if that was going to be the end. So, you know. Hat tip to the writers, or uh, more specifically, um, hat tip to uh, series, uh, well, the guy that's running things, Eric uh, Kripke. Hat tip to him, because I believe he's the one that wrote that final episode. 
Um, so before we, as we get deeper into this, I just want to bring up a few characters that I really liked. Frenchie, really, really cool character. Uh, I thought it was, it was awesome. His arc and really smart, but fast talking. And, you know, I, I thought he was a really great character. Obviously, um, Mother's Milk was a great character, Marvin. Another trying to keep his trying to keep his family life separate from this, and obviously everything gets mixed, you know, destroyed. Yeah, it's just really, really good characters all the way around. And Huey, obviously, Jack Quaid's character. That's the one. That's our Luke Skywalker. If, if I had to pick one, that's the one you're supposed to like. That's me. And how did I get mixed up in all this right, as a right. guy? Right, like he's the one that brings you through and kind of pulls you through this whole thing and you're like what this is absurd but no because you know he's normal so this is really happening so clearly the the threat of the the show will, will be Hugh and Huey but um, what do you think of Huey and, and Starlight you know I love him I really do and a part of me though as they were getting closer and closer I'm like I was like his girlfriend just died like a week or two ago. This is going really fast. Right. He has moved on fast. And they kind of made reference to that and the fact that his dead girlfriend kept showing up as a, not a ghost, but kept, he kept thinking he saw her. Yeah, the guilt. That was guilt, yeah, right? exactly. But then obviously the the episode where he finally uh, kisses Starlight, she saw he saw his girlfriend. She leaves. So kind of like a, you can move on. But it happened a bit quick, but they're both just good people. Well, they ultimately are good people. Obviously, Huey did you know commit murder by blowing up <laughs> Translucent. Right. So there's some questionable. That's questionable right there. But uh, as a whole, they're both kind of wholesome in a lot of ways. Even though, yes, technically he is a murderer. Um. Uh, but he was going to get killed. If he let him go, he was going to die. It was more self-preservation. He knows that if Translucent got out, they would come back and kill him. Right, right, right. And I get it. He wanted some revenge for what happened to his girlfriend. And who wouldn't in that situation? So, um, I, I don't know. I think they make a great couple. And I I, I have to be careful because I'm one of those people that I met when I watch a TV show. I ship a little bit too hard between characters. I'm like, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so. They need to get together. And I really liked how, I mean, it wasn't like he saw her and he played her and used her. He actually developed feelings for Starlight, you know? Right. She obviously. I do. I, I will say, uh, kind of shifting a little bit, is I really stood up tall when Mr. Edgar came on and who that was. And Giancarlo Esposito is one of my favorite actors. Oh my God, yes. That guy. It was like, oh shit, this is gonna get good, good, because he's he's always a good act, a good. He's just a great actor, so it's fun watching him. Yeah, when he showed up, I I, I too, I wanted to stand up and clap because I was like, oh yeah, because he was he was one of the best characters from Breaking Bad. So to see him part, well, you know, kind of. Yeah, I go back to do the right thing. He's so good in it. Like he's just a, a great actor. There's a lot of things that he's in, but right. man, he's he's just excellent. Excellent, excellent character actor. Excellent actor, not just character actor. He's just great. Oh, he's fantastic. So the fact, yeah, um, seeing him, when you see a character like that come onto a show, you're like, yeah, this is, you know, this show's good, right? Right. So, and that's, and I get the same thing from Elizabeth Shue. She's a fantastic actress. 
she's done a lot of great stuff. Unfortunately, we don't see her in a lot of stuff lately, so I'm glad she was a part of this. Unfortunately, Stillwell is now dead. Yeah. But it kind of had so, to happen. So where can this go? So we've got maybe a faction that's broken off. You've got Kimiko, who you don't know exactly all her power. She's kind of Wolverine-esque in terms of like how she fights and kind of animal-like. We don't. I didn't see any kind of weapons on her or anything, but... And you've got Starlight, who's going to be what now? She's going to have to be fired, right? From the seven. Who knows? I don't know. Who, I don't know. I don't know how she stays part of it. But I, right. But that's the thing. I mean, and you've got Black Noir, Black Black, that it's kind of the Boba Fett of these heroes. We don't know good or bad. We don't even hear a voice. We don't know anything. So. Could be interesting where where that particular character falls in. Can you imagine? Yeah. I was just thinking about yeah. that the, the actor that plays him, thinking like, "Yeah, I've got this great series. I don't say a word. You never see my face." Right. No, really. I'm I'm <laughs> in TV, mom. <laughs> yeah. They cracked me up. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because he he doesn't say anything ever. I mean, he shows up. He's badass when he fights the female. But it's very brief. Another analogy through this whole thing is like Deadpool really opened up doors. Now, this was in, I believe, was in production. Maybe maybe Deadpool was done first production-wise. Obviously, the comics were there. But do you think Deadpool really helped bring this kind of stuff to the forefront in a way like, oh, we can make money off. People will go to a rated R superhero film. It's not always about kids PG stuff, like because they've they just realized now, some reason Hollywood has realized now that the kids of the eighties still wanted to see stories and are fine with the adult theme of it. Well, whereas before it was just for kids. Do you think Yes, I mean what do you think? Yes to a couple of those things. Number one, um, the kids from the eighties, you know, Gen X, we're of that age, we're in our forties and fifties now. So that, that extends to Hollywood. Those same people are now running Hollywood for the most part. Yes, there's still a bunch of the baby boomers in there as well and older people. But for the most part, the makers and shakers, the movers and makers in uh, Hollywood are Gen X. So we're going to be seeing, when we have been seeing the last 10 years, and we're going to continue to see Gen X-type sensibilities throughout Hollywood. So yes... I think that's why comic book movies are much more successful now than they were, say, in the 80s, because you have a generation of people that grew up around them and get them, whereas where Batman that came out in, what, 1987, 89, somewhere around there, was yep. fantastic. Uh, even the execs that put it out really didn't get it, but it made tons of money, so they let Tim Burton keep going. Um, and then they ruined it. I mean, Judas Priest did they ruin it, but that's at the oh, point. Yeah. So... To your other point of the, the question is Deadpool. Yes, Deadpool 100%. Deadpool being a success showed that comic books don't have to be all ages. They don't have to be just for kids. They don't have to be appealing to families. Deadpool showed that you can be violent and funny and still be a comic book hero and, and be awesome and make tons of money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like The Matrix, you know, 20 years ago. Who knew that you could take, you know, cyberpunk um, martial arts and make it rated R and people would flock to it? It's If you have a good product, people are going to show up. But it's harder to get some of those products greenlit because people don't think superheroes can be R-rated or 
this over this. Because as far as Deadpool goes, I would say this this show goes farther. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think so. My question then would be, do you think people will find this series? Do you think will this help Amazon in the streaming wars that are going to happen very quickly with Netflix and Disney Plus? And I mean, there's a lot of money on the line for a lot of these things. And I'm, I'm just wondering, they they've did a great job marketing. I mean, it's been on television. I've seen, you know, various ads throughout the Internet, which... I, I am an Amazon Prime member, which, of course, they're going to send it to me in emails and those kind of things. So they've got that crowd. Do you think it'll be successful enough for them? Where will you think the show will be? Can it get big enough to be a cultural phenomenon like a Game of Thrones? Or do you think it'll just fly like, let's say, Stranger Things? That's probably a better one to to put it up against. Do you, that, that kind of hit a cultural zeitgeist and a lot of people watch it. Do you think this will get there, or is it going to be relegated to the nerds like us? You know what? Honestly, I think it's going to be successful, but it's not going to reach those Stranger Things zeitgeist levels. No, I agree. And a lot of that is because of that mature label. Not everyone can watch it. You know, Stranger Things, we got kids... You know, kids, literally my kids, teenagers, they love it because they're focused on the teenagers. Yeah, it takes place in the 80s, but they're still teenagers and they get it and they enjoy it. And it's it's not overly violent and it's appropriate for, I say, a teenage level for Stranger Things. And then the Gen Xers like us, we all love it because that is our childhood we're seeing on screen. So it appeals to a much broader spectrum. Kids shouldn't be watching the boys there's they really shouldn't it's not for kids at all so anyone Correct, out there that right. wants if your kid thinks oh this is superheroes we should let them watch it don't it is yeah but game of thrones did game of thrones blew everything out the door and it's very very not for kids <laughs> that's so. true but i don't i don't know i fantasy was gonna have its moment and I don't think HBO even realized how big a Game of Thrones was going to be, and it turned out to be super massive. And, and it wasn't until probably season three. It took like season three, the people were like, did you watch this show? And everybody kind of caught up with it. But I want, I guess, what I'm saying is, do you think Amazon will give it the time to get there? They've already greenlit second season. Do you think? Do you think it'll they'll push it enough for people to watch the? give it enough time because it's not going to be till 2020. Uh, so if there's a lot of time left before that, probably next summer, maybe, um, maybe end of next summer, closer to fall. I, I'm just curious. I, I, it'd be interesting to see how far it goes. I'm not sure it can get there, but it, it's really good. I, I'm going to give it a, a seven out of 10. And, and I think it's can only get better from here or, you know, I, I think it can get better. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. So perfect. You're giving this perfect. Loved it. There was nothing I would have changed. Nothing. <laughs> I well, I know I, I have a bad habit of either totally loving something or totally hating something. Um, but I can tell you, I, I would say that the first season of Stranger Things was a solid 8-9 in my book. Uh, season 2 was a 6-7. Um, I'd say that season 3 was a solid 8. All that to say, I not everything I watch I love 100%, but this, I couldn't stop watching. I... Though it's not even close to the same genre, um, when I first jumped into Orange is the New Black, uh, that show sucked me in very powerfully, and I was sucked in, season one and two I tore through, I ripped right through them. So, 
this was me. I had to slow myself down. Literally the Friday night this came out. Literally the Friday night voice came out. I said, you know what? I'm going to watch one episode to kind of see what this show is about. I watched at least two or three episodes that night. Prevented myself from watching it the next morning because it was nice and sunny out and I didn't want to be trapped inside. But once nighttime came, I tore through... Uh, through episode six and purposely saved episode seven and eight for Sunday. So I could say I didn't watch the entire series in 24 hours. I limited myself because I wanted to just spend eight straight hours watching this show. So for me, yes, 10 out of 10. So for, for me, in order to get better, they need to figure out how to write interesting superheroes. Like I want them to be a little more deliberate into the, the type of powers that some of these heroes have because they're so generic that I, I I don't give them a pass on that. I think it's, it's a little easy thing to do to rip off other superheroes and kind of take those things and put them into a character and do it. I, I don't think they did their homework enough to do that. Right. I think you could be a little more um, creative with what the superheroes can be. I mean, you don't have to rip off Marvel or DC to create a superhero. They could do a lot of different things, and I don't think they put the time in to do that, which that's what pulls me out. Like, oh, you, you kind of ripped on Superman. Great. I'm taking his powers. Why? Why? You can do other things. You can be smarter, and I think that's what they need to do. Like, if they bring in new heroes in season two, like, don't just bring in, like, you know, a magician like Doctor Strange. Like, don't just pull from everybody else and rip it off. Give me something. Well, Give me something that you own, and I want to see that. That's the thing. I think we are going to see more of that because what they're really doing with this show a lot is making analogies because they're making commentary based on Superman tropes, Batman tropes, Wonder Woman tropes, Captain America tropes. However, that said, I will counter that Mesmer was a fantastic character and awesome that Haley Joel Osment is getting work, right? Right. But I love the character of Mesmer. We didn't see him for very long, only a few episodes, and he was a bit role. But I'm hoping for more stuff like that. Here, yeah, I agree with you. Heroes that um, may not have the cool marquee powers that gets them onto a group like the Seven, but niche kind of weird powers. I think with that, we're going to see more interesting things in Season 2. We're going to have more of a playground now that this has done so well. So to get back to your question... Is this going to be a huge zeitgeist like Game of Thrones or Stranger Things? No, because number one, like I said, it doesn't have the broad appeal that Stranger Things has. Now, yes, Game of Thrones is a mature show, and there are a lot of mature themes, and yes, there are lots of breasts and sex and rape and that as well. But that the, the boy still goes a few steps further and some people are just not going to be able to handle that. So I think because of its content, um, not because of quality, I think it's a quality show and I think it's going to get a lot of buzz, but I just don't think it's going to reach those levels because it's limited by the fact that it does go so far. I think that's a good way to leave it. So I, I, again, I, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you've already watched it because we just told you everything. So uh, I think it's a good place to end it. Um, I agree, Michael. I think it's it's a it's not going to hit the heights, but it it's it's hitting a really good high for me. It's a it's a good show. I think it's it's worthy of my time, and I'm definitely looking forward to series two or season two. Uh, with that being said, let's get on to next episode. I think we're gonna. 
talk about something that is an easy trope to go to, the Star Wars versus Star Trek. Maybe we'll get into that next episode as we record. Um, I do want to plug a little bit that we will be in the at Grand Rapids Comic Con November 8th through 10th. Come visit us in Grand Rapids at the DeVos Center uh, November 8th through 10th. We're going to have a booth there. Michael and I will be there to say hello to the two people that come and say hi, probably Michelle and Shaylee. But other than that, it'll be great. Um we are, can be found. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, or anywhere you listen. And Michael handles a lot of our social. So, Michael, why don't you plug our social for us? Well, of course, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us uh, at KyberCast on Twitter. Same username. You can find us um, at KyberCast uh, on Instagram, where uh, Joe likes to preview our episodes and also likes to throw up an awesome imagery when we put up uh, a new episode. Other than that, if you want to email us, we'd love to hear from you. You can always email us at kybercast at gmail.com. Also, like I said, send us a tweet. Um, we respond to a tweet. Uh, leave a comment on, uh, well, we can't do it on Spotify, but we're also on SoundCloud. You can leave comments there. Uh, leave us a comment anywhere. We're watching for them. Uh, like I said, if you want to email us, do that. We'd love some feedback. Anything you guys have to say about the show, anything we can change, anything you'd like, dislike. What are your thoughts on The Boys? Did you love it? Do you like Star Trek? Do you like Star Wars? Whatever it is, we're geeks. We probably have an opinion. Hit us up. Yep, and the easiest place again is kybercast.com. You can always go there. For all the latest news, contact information, shop even. We've got some swag out there. We've got T-shirts and mugs and things like that you can order. And, Joe, you may not know this, but I'm working on some original written content now for us, too. Excellent. I need that. We all need that. (laughs) Thanks, Michael. This has been great again. Looking forward to next week's episode where you and I will spar over Star Trek and Star Wars. There's a lot to happen there, and I think it's going to be a fun one. Heck, yeah. All right, my friend, good night and talk to you soon. See you soon. Shh.